This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. It didn't take long, did it, for Joe Biden and uh, his many handlers to try to address the criticism of his both, as Ted Cruz has said, boring and radical speech. Well, well described there, I must say. Um, but now we have to deal with the aftermath in terms of the policies and, and the lies. There's a lot of stuff that's being said right now by this Biden administration that cannot go without response. Biden gave an interview to, I don't know, one of those silly morning shows that also does news. You know, one minute it's like, hey, here's how to make the best, you know, summer goat cheese salad. And then it's oh, we're serious news people. He had one of those uh, interviews, sit down with the show that they used to have Matt Lauer on before everybody found out what that guy was like. Uh, We'll get into all of this in in a moment. But as you know, the Biden team wants to spend. I think we have to refer to it that way because he's just shuffling around, muttering and saying whatever they tell him to. The Biden team wants six trillion dollars of spending. Uh, That's in addition to the current federal budget. And that means there's going to be a lot of pressure on the currency and things are going to get rocky in the economy. I don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Nobody does. But I want you to prepare today. And that's why I want you to know you can get gold and silver, real gold and silver. You can hold in your hands, delivered to your door, or you can have it placed right into your IRA or 401k tax free and penalty free. I'm talking about real gold and silver in your hands or your retirement accounts. Gold and silver hold their value. That's why you should have them, especially when markets decline or fail. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals. They offer gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. It's the company I trust to put gold and silver into both my hands and my IRA. I get my gold from Oxford Gold Group. You should too. They'll beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Call them now, 833-600-GOLD, and request your free precious metals investment guide, 833 833- 600 G-O-L-D, the Oxford Gold Group. Speak with them today, 833-600-GOLD. It was all about the science until it wasn't. Mask up, save lives, mask up. It's what Fauci and the CDC says. Okay, that's what they told us. It was just about the data. It wasn't ideological. It wasn't about control. No, none of those things. We're told none of that matters. None of that is important. Sure, sure. Then you have Joe Biden, who just gave an interview in which he made it very clear that this was never really just about the science. No, it was symbolism. It was so much more. And they have completely rearranged society's thought processes when it comes to risk, when it comes to understanding what is reasonable. We have been, by the Democrats, in their desperate and unfortunately somewhat successful bid to increase their power to authoritarian status. We have been uh, brainwashed as a society into thinking the unreasonable is reasonable into thinking the absurd is normal, into making Joe Biden the president. I mean, I know you and I aren't responsible for that, but he is the president. And now he's vaccinated. The CDC has made it very clear because it is blaringly obvious. I mean, I don't give them any credit for this. 
outdoor masking was stupid all along. We all know it. But now at least they're saying, look, if you're vaccinated, you're outdoors. There's no reason for you to be wearing a mask. It's really absurd. Joe Biden apparently knows more than the CDC. Play six. CDC guidance this week about outdoor mask wearing. A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they've been double vaccinated. Um, Are are you going to be one of these folks now? We no longer going to see the president of the United States outside with a mask on? Sure. Sure. I mean, but what I'm going to do, though, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me (laughs) is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I bet you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's 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 a small precaution to take that has a profound impact. It's a patriotic responsibility, for God's sake. It's making sure that your wife, your children, your, if you're, if, in, in fact, they haven't been vaccinated, making sure that they're not going to get sick. It's not a patriotic responsibility for vaccinated people to continue to wear masks, especially when they're talking to other vaccinated people. You moron. Look, we've all known that Joe Biden is not a bright guy. Everyone's known that for a very long time. But this is who the Democrats put forward. This is who they were able to fool in a pandemic year. Enough Americans into just craving, you know, normalcy, centrism, whatever it was. And Trump was, you know, worse than Hitler and created covid. And with all of that, they were able to put this complete buffoon forward into the Oval Office. And what he's saying is sheer lunacy. This is just crazy time now. But I knew we would get here because what I've been telling you all along, the mask is a politico religious symbol for the left. That's why you now have the president of the United States openly defying the CDC at this stage of the pandemic on this and insisting that it is your patriotic duty. I want to tell Biden to uh, go something himself, and it rhymes with my name. This is outrageous. This is what the left has done. This is where we are. Now people are that incapable of processing things for themselves, that incapable of understanding what is a fair and, and realistic policy about these mitigation measures, as Fauci calls them that we have to accept this degree of sheer stupidity. This is dumb. But you see, they've gotten used to this. They like that you all comply because you have to. But now that it's getting closer to maybe you don't have to, they still want you to comply. The mask shamers, the most annoying, nagging pains in the butt you've ever come across in your life. Wear your mask, wear your mask. Yeah. Oh, it's it's done such a great job shutting down the pandemic all over the world, hasn't it? Remember when they were blaming Trump for all of this? It's like they don't have access to newspapers or the Internet to see how has this gone in Europe? How has this gone in Brazil? How is it going in India now? All those countries were wearing masks. Countries in Europe and then, of course, Brazil and India, they, they were all masked up. In fact, as recently as last December, as you know, we were told that India beat the pandemic, according to doctors in India, the experts, 
because they all masked up so much. Yeah. Now, where is it? The place is in a catastrophe. India is going through what we were told could happen here, which is hospital capacity, overwhelmed people not able to get medical care. It's a horrible situation. You know, maybe over-reliance on masks as a policy, maybe the almost fetishization of masks as the primary, most important tool to stop this because it's the only one the CDC could really come up with at first. Uh, Maybe that actually led to a lot of bad ideas and bad policy that made this worse. Anyone ever think about that? Oh, no, sure, that's not the case. It's not like people constantly touching and rearranging their dirty masks might actually help transmit this disease, which is what was said at the very beginning, if you remember. But I I don't even want to get into a how effective are masks debate or discussion right now. All right. Because remember, they've convinced themselves that it's okay that we went from Fauci mocking masks to it's a patriotic duty to wear them in a month or two. So, you know, 100 years of medicine and science forgotten in a month Based on what? Panic. Panic. Oh, asymptomatic spread. That changes things because now, you know, no, no, no. We can all smell the nonsense. We can smell this BS. But a lot of people don't really have the capacity to think for themselves. And when Joe Biden says something like masking up is a patriotic duty, They stand to attention and they salute and say, sir, yes, sir, commander chief, I will double mask even after vaccinated and standing alone in a field, sir, because I love my country. No, that's not what you're actually telling anybody when you do that. What you're saying is that you are a sheep and that you will allow yourself to be shorn of all dignity because the people in charge tell you. That's what has to happen. This is where we are. Uh, Joe Biden's masking up as a patriotic duty in 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 direct contradiction uh, of the circumstance of masking outside while vaccinated. He's doing yesterday. He was out. He gave some speech. The guy spent 30 seconds looking for a mask to wear outside. Symbolism is not science, you jackass Biden. But. Democrats haven't achieved what they want yet with all this. Yeah, they beat Trump, but they're not done. They've got to keep you compliant. They've got to keep you willing to take orders. What do you mean? You start to breathe fresh air. You start to see what it's like to be outside and be around fellow human beings. Maybe you don't want, you know, Joe and Kamala in charge of everything. Maybe people start to recognize that our government is run by imbeciles and buffoons. Hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting? But that doesn't help, you see. That doesn't help their power grab. It's a patriotic responsibility for God's sakes. Notice that he even becomes sanctimonious about it. He becomes smarmy. For God, for God's sakes, it's a patriot. No, it's not, you idiot. Unbelievable, this guy's the president of the United States. I'll tell you this right now. My God, I miss Donald Trump. Uh, kids in K through 12 schools obviously are not going to be able to to get the vaccine by the fall. Should all schools in this country be open this fall for five day in, five day a week in person learning, regardless? Based on the science and the CDC, they should probably all be open. There's not overwhelming evidence. That there's much of a transmission among these people, young people. Should probably be open. 
Wow, what a profile and courage Joe Biden is here. Notice that, that they say they invoke this based on the science. Just saying based on the science doesn't mean that you're actually basing it on science. We all know that. You know, this reminds me of a of a really snide rhetorical uh, trick that uh, Noam Chomsky, who I, be- I believe recently passed away, used to use in debates with William F. Buckley. He would say, oh, turning to the facts, let's let's turn to the facts. He would say, let's turn to the facts, which is always a, a backhanded way of saying, you know, what you're saying is not factual. What I'm saying is factual. Right. And Chomsky is a wildly overrated intellectual. But anyway, uh the truth here with Joe Biden and the CDC guidance and all the stuff that we're seeing is that the Democrats are in a panic at the notion of one having to reenter normal society because they've convinced themselves that all you have to do to be a really good, brave person is put hashtag BLM on your Facebook page and not go outside very much and double mask all the time. You know, just be a good, compliant a good compliant member of the Democrat apparatus. Like we're all a bunch of guinea pigs. You know, we're all just in our cages hoping that, uh, you know, someone comes along and puts enough water in our little feeders and tells us that we're being good. It's disgraceful the way the Democrats have politicized this whole pandemic, the way that they've pushed uh, for rules that are far in excess. One of their of, of, of really any government's authority. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't believe that a government has has the right to tell you that you have to stifle your breathing outside by yourself because they say so. I mean, it's not even really enforceable, but they counted on the social enforcers out there. They counted on people that were, where is your mask? And you're out jogging by yourself. People should be so ashamed. What a bunch, what a bunch of cowards, really. The whole thing was so dumb. And, you know, these people, the... Uh, Uh, airline stewards or whatever or attendants or whatever they call them now running around you know excuse me sir put your mask on put your mask on okay so if i do i have a time limit if i'm having a diet coke with my mask down is there a time limit or we all realize i'm just breathing air like we're all breathing air and this is dumb okay okay good i'm glad we established that you know biden is also coming under some pressure because it's clear that he didn't really want to talk about what happened, uh, what's happening at the border based on what he said in the speech. There was really very little that he wanted to say other than amnesty. That's their their solution to the illegal immigration challenge, crisis, all of the above is to incentivize to to reward the first wave and to incentivize a second massive wave. And at that point, you just say, well, why even pretend that we have immigration laws? What's the point? Um, Biden is out there. Oh, and, and just on the schools thing, I just wanted to point out they never should have been closed. And I will never forgive Fauci and the Democrats for being such little cowards that they actually shut down schools. What they've done to children is appalling. They weren't keeping them safe. It was all for the teachers unions. We all know that. But here's Biden on the migrant surge. This is this is a little bit of a, of a longer clip, but I wanted you to hear it. And actually, you know, producer Mark, maybe we can we can pause midway so I can react to some of it. Play four. Does it demand urgent action now? Is is what's happening at the southern border? Is it a crisis? It is getting urgent action now. For example, a month ago, we had thousands of young kids 
in custody in places they shouldn't be and controlled by the border patrol we have now cut that down dramatically here look here's what happened the failure to have a real transition the two departments that didn't you give us access to virtually anything were the immigration and the defense department so we didn't find out they had fired a whole lot of people that they were understaffed considerably. But in April alone, Mr. President, 170,000 people, migrants, apprehended at the border. It's a 20-year record. There are 22,000 unaccompanied children in our country right now. That's a, that, that's a record. That sounds to most folks like a crisis. Well, look, it's way down now. We've now gotten control. For example, we have, they didn't plan for, which it comes every year, this flow, whether it's 22,000 or 10,000. They didn't have the beds that were available. They didn't plan for the overflow. They didn't plan for the Department of Health and Human Services to have places to take the kid from, from the uh, border Patrol and put, put them in beds where there's security and there were people that could take care of them. So there's a significant change right now, significant change in the circumstance for children coming to and at the border. What a slimy liar. This is a crisis. This is a total mess. It is lawlessness. It's the infiltration not only of massive number of, of illegal immigrants in the United States, but of narcotics into our communities. It's easier for the cartels than it has been in perhaps decades to just run large amounts of lethal fentanyl and other drugs into the United States, poisoning our communities, leading to drug gang violence. We just had the biggest increase on record of homicides in one year. Most of those homicides you can trace to drug-related activity, gang-related activity, and it's all coming from south of the border. It's all coming from the cartels. So what is not a crisis about this? That's what you have to ask. But notice Biden, in his usual, you know, his usual uh, unctuous, uh, dishonest salesman routine here is, oh, but it was the, you know, it was the administration before. You know, I didn't have enough beds. And, you know, we're, we're numbers are way down. No, they're not way down. And they're not going to go down because Biden knows he doesn't have the Democrat base supporting any real effort to instill consequences. There has to be a downside of crossing the border from a government perspective. The government has to say, no, you will not benefit from this. No, this is not acceptable. OK, otherwise they're going to keep doing it. And that's the very basic, the very straightforward situation here. And then there's also, remember about separating families and all that? Play three. During the campaign, you pledged to reunite hundreds of children who yes. had been separated from uh, their parents by the previous administration. According to our reporting, in, in your first 100 days, not one child's been reunited. I don't how, think that. How is that? I, I don't think that's true, but that could be. What we have done is we have, we have united children with their families as they've come across the border. But one of the things is we don't know yet where those kids are. And we're trying like hell to figure out what happened. It's almost like being a sleuth, and we're still continuing to try like hell to find out where they are. So you said to, 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 to migrants, don't come. You said don't come. You're very clear. Or would you tell parents in, in, in Central America and Mexico, don't send your kids? 
Absolutely. And look, here's the deal. So don't send your kids. That's the message. Do not send your kids, period. They're most they're in jeopardy going making that thousand mile trek. And so what we're doing now is we're going back to those countries in question where most of us coming from and saying, look, you can apply from your country. You don't have to make this trek. They don't want to apply, moron. They want to just get in and you're letting them. And that's what's happening. But the Democrats think they benefit from the border crisis. We all know it. So in their minds, it's really not a crisis. All right. Producers here pointed out that no, Noam Chomsky's still alive. My bad, everybody. Sorry about that. <laughs> Whoops. False alarm. Uh, he's still running around spreading his warmed over Marxism to uh, whoever will listen. Um, Howard Zinn died a, a few years ago. Another very left wing uh, Marxist author and provocateur, but uh, yeah, Noam Chomsky's alive, so I, I don't know why I thought that, but we don't need to get into that right now. Uh, let's see, we have a bunch, oh, the, the law enforcement situation and what's happening across the country. I, I want to drill down into that for a moment here, because this is really turning into a question of attitudes toward cops. That's what's really so essential in all of this, attitudes toward uh, police and why that is so damaging and leading to such an enormous spike in violent crime across the country has been for many, many months. So we'll get into that in just a moment. But as, as you know, reopen is happening in some places. It's coming very quickly and others. It's uh, lagging a little bit, but it is going to happen. And it's going to be great for small businesses to finally have the uh, the boot of the government, you know, off their backs. It's going to be great for small businesses to be able to expand and get up and running again. But I want to help you in whatever way that I can. So for all the folks out there who are running their own business, running a business really at, at, at whatever level, you got to get Bambi, okay? Because when you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. You've got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, all these headaches, all these things you have to deal with. That's why Bambi is the solution for you. Because with Bambi, you get a dedicated HR manager who will craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, do all this for $99 a month, okay? $99 a month, it's less than my cable bill. You can have an HR manager, think about this, handling everything from onboarding to terminations. They customize your policies to fit your business, and they'll help you manage employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. This is month-to-month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. Look, you didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Bambi.com slash buck. The biggest spike in the United States in homicides in one year on record. That That's what the headline should be for 2020. The official numbers aren't in yet. This is why you haven't seen more of it. The official data from the FBI comes out in September for 2020. So what we're relying on are preliminary figures, but the preliminary figures are only going to be most likely a little lower than the final numbers. And you're looking at an estimate of a 30 to 35, uh, maybe even 37 percent increase in homicides nationwide in 2020. Why is that happening? People who say it's COVID need to explain how that's possible. 
you have far fewer people on the streets, in public places, public accommodations, interacting with each other. Unprecedented in the history, really, of, of modern history of America, right? You've never had so little contact with your fellow human beings, and yet we think that there, there's that's an explanation for why there are more people killing other people? Really? No. If you look at the actual spike in homicides, what you see is that it really got going right around the killing of George Floyd and the BLM movement's resurgence, BLM 2.0. That's what coincided with the big spike in shootings and homicides in cities across the country. And it's very important to remember that that homicides are just the most egregious and visible uh, and and quantifiable manifestation of criminality out there, right? I mean, it, it's you, you got to hide a body, so to speak, if you're the local government. People know when someone dies, so it's tough to cover this stuff up. They still do sometimes, but it's tough to cover it up, and also it's the most serious crime, and so people tend to pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, this is happening because the Democrats have this notion it's it's this unreasonable this this absurd idea that cops are racist that american police law enforcement are uh, shooting unarmed black men for reasons that are never specified other than systemic racism right that this is which they can't even really define and they do this and they get away with it and it's it's so it's a central issue in America today. The central issue of law enforcement, according to Democrats, is police shooting unarmed black men. This is psychotic. It does happen. It is very rare. And when it does happen and it shouldn't happen, the police are generally overwhelmingly prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This is not the crisis they pretend it is. Right. It is aberrant. It is rare. It is highly unusual. But. This has become a, a manipulation. What they do is they manipulate the scope of it. They take something that exists and pretend that it is, it is a much bigger problem. Think about it this way. You know, if, if I, just to, just to come up with an example off the top of, of your head, you know, if you were really upset in the office one day and you, you dropped a, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the curse words you can't say on radio, if you were really upset in the office, you said that, and your boss called you into the office and said, you know, your language in general is entirely unacceptable. And I think we're going to have to suspend you for two weeks because you're always cursing. You're always cursing. And, and you say, well, hold on a second. It only happened one time. That's a big difference. What, what do you mean? It doesn't happen all the time. No, you're always doing it. You're always doing it. You're, you're systemically cursing. That's what the left does here. They inflate and exaggerate the scope, the scale of the problem in order to achieve a political agenda. And the political agenda is to make law enforcement the scapegoat for all of society's problems, particularly high crime rates in predominantly minority communities in major cities. It's the cops fault. That's what the transference here. That's what the the uh, the political goal is. We don't talk about any, you know, we don't talk about failing schools or broken families or uh, or focus on addiction or any number of very real challenges and problems that, by the way, all Americans have, but do often uh, reach epidemic levels in poor areas of minority communities in this country. No, we don't talk about that. It's the cops fault. 
Yeah. I mean, th- this at some level is almost like you have, uh, you know, very, you have very high levels of, of heart disease and, and heart failure in this country for people at, at younger and younger ages. And yeah, I'm sure there are EMS techs who show up sometimes to deal with a heart attack victim and they mess up. Maybe they're on their phone and they shouldn't be and someone dies who shouldn't. I'm sure that's rare. And the reason for heart attacks in general in America is not EMS. They're not causing this. Right. And criminality in any community is not being caused by law enforcement. But this is we have to have a fundamental shift in attitudes here. Otherwise, we can just keep seeing what's happening. You just had 200 cops in Seattle walk off the job because they feel there is a an anti-police climate. And you know what? They're right. There is. Remember, they set up the CHOP, the Capitol Hill Occupy protest, or the uh, CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And it resulted, I mean, the whole thing was a mess. It was, uh, it was a disgrace. But the cops were told, don't go in there. Could you imagine? Think about what that does to your authority on the streets in your city. When the mayors, the Democrat bureaucrats say, um, we're actually going to respect this group of loons who say they've established a place that's uh, that's outside the writ of government, so to speak, of local government here. Think about what that does. Now, you may have seen this or, or heard this already. There is a student. I, I don't know the young man's name or I'd give him credit at Cypress College in California. I never heard of the school either, but he's on a Zoom call. This this has been leaked out there. He's on a Zoom call. Uh, with a professor and I want you to hear this this whole exchange because he's clearly they're having some kind of a class discussion over zoom and the the issue is whether police should be portrayed in children's shows and what essentially whether cops are the good guys I mean I remember growing up and you know my parents even taught me if you know if you ever get separated from us or you, you know you're ever scared or whatever you know go f- find a cop find a fireman they'll take care of you they'll protect you and you and I both know, as I say that, when, whether you have kids or not, or whether this is for you or your children, you know, if you're in trouble in, in America and, and you go to a cop or a firefighter or, you know, any, any number. First of all, I think if you just go to your fellow American, usually they're going to try to help you. But if you go to a cop or a firefighter, you're going to you got a ninety nine point nine 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 chance, especially if you're a kid, that they're going to try to help you out and take care of you, make sure you're safe. That's America. That's the country we actually live in. Right. That's not somehow what the left thinks. They think that, oh, you know, hands up, don't shoot. You don't know. You know, you're a kid. It could be dangerous. Those cops, they're so dangerous. And, you know, who are being held up as heroes in our society? I mean, I'll just tell you this right now. I mean, LeBron James is not a hero. LeBron James is a skilled athlete and an idiot. But people look up to him. They look up to him because he can dribble a basketball and jump high and shoot. But I don't care what he has to say about law enforcement or cops. And nobody else with a brain should either. Cops, if we're going to create heroes in our society, I'd much rather have it be police than basketball players or baseball players or hockey players or anybody else for that matter. All right. If we're going to choose who we tell kids to look up to. It's people who are doing public service, putting themselves in the line, keeping our communities safe. Same thing with the United States military, by the way. You know, we, we still at least 
Democrats have to have to pay lip service to this in a lot of cases because the Democrat left. I know they're Democrats who are military and support the military, but the far left of the Democrat Party despises our military. It's just a fact. Uh, but here's here's how a conversation goes at Cypress College in California between a student and his professor. I want you, I want you to really listen for the disdain in the female professor's voice when they're talking about whether cops are the good guys. Play one. All right, so uh, you brought up the police in your speech a few times. Um, so what is your like, what is your main concern since? I mean, no. honestly, the whole reason police, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is systemic. The issue is systemic because the whole reason we have police departments in the first place, where did it stem from? What's our history going back to what Jeremy was talking about? What, where was, what does it stem from? It stems from people in the South wanting to capture runaway slaves. Maybe they shouldn't be heroes. Maybe they don't belong on a kid's show. Uh, so I disagree with the what Jeremy said about it because uh, I think cops are heroes and they have to have a difficult job. But we have to have all of them. Life. Oh, I, I, not. I mean, I'd say uh, a good majority of them. You have bad people in every business and every yeah, part. Yeah. Well, wait, a wait, lot wait, of wait, police wait. officers have committed atrocious crimes and have gotten away with it and have never been convicted of any of it. And, and I they, think for the person who has family members who are police officers. Yes, I, I, I understand. Um, and this is what I believe. This is my opinion. And this is you know not popular to say, but uh, I do support our police. And we have bad people. And the people that do bad things should be brought to justice. I agree with that. But I think that uh, – say, I'm saying it again. They haven't. Well, I agree with you on that point of they should, right? So what is and, your bottom line point? You're saying police officers should be revered, viewed as heroes? They belong on TV shows with children? That's I think they are heroes in a sense because they come to your need and they come and help you. And they have a problem just like every other business, but we should fix that. But I think they're, they're heroes. Well, they're I think that's the problem is looking at it as a business because they're actually supposed to protect and serve Police do not come from the enforcement of slavery, by the way. I just, you know, this is it's right along the lines with the 1619 project saying that the American colonies were founded to protect slavery. This is they're always the left is desperate to rewrite history to create a false moral high ground. There there are there were constables and sheriffs, which actually comes from the English Shire Reeve uh, for the person who was in charge of a of of the defense of a township um it goes back to the 1300s there have been gendarmes in france paid by the state for hundreds of years okay this the 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 idea that cops but they spread this and then people say it and then they say well well there there was an elevation of law enforcement And, and what is really the point then are they saying that so, so law enforcement comes from the protection of, of slavery. It's just to undermine the whole system. We should have no cops. This is crazy. So and remember, the left also uh, the left, uh, left also wants to disarm you while they're also undermining police and abolishing and disbanding and, and defunding police. Yeah, these people are civilizational arsonists. They, they just they're out of their minds. But the ones who are pushing it the most, the ones who go on TV, you know, they live in safe neighborhoods still. They don't feel the brunt of this. And they convince people who are 
underprivileged, who do live in high crime areas, that there's nothing about the community that needs to be addressed or dealt with. It's the cops fault, which is in and of itself a seductive lie. People suffer as a result of this. Thousands more people, a lot of the minorities, murdered, raped, assaulted, robbed last year in excess of any normal year stretching back for 20 years. The numbers were far higher. And it's in large part because the left lies about cops, about the, about the history of cops, about what cops do, about the percentage of cops that are bad. But, uh, you know, with the media and the corporations all scared on this one and all telling lies, too, it's very hard to get the truth out there. Senator Tim Scott said last night that America is not a racist country. Do you agree with that? And what do you make of his warning against fighting discrimination with more discrimination? I believe that we need to, well, first of all, no, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its, and its existence today. And I, I applaud the president for always having the ability and the courage, frankly, to speak the truth about it. He spoke what we know from the intelligence community. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. And so these are issues that we must confront and it doesn't it does not help to heal our country to unify us as a people to ignore the realities of that and I think the president has been outstanding and a real national leader we know the issue of saying let's confront the realities and let's deal with it knowing we all have so much more in common than what separates us and the idea is that we want to unify the country but not without um, speaking truth and, and requiring accountability as appropriate deal with it how Defunding cops, that's idiocy and people die. We get really fuzzy, don't we, when it comes to de- deal with the racism in America today in what way? What, what does Kamala Harris think we should do? We have affirmative action. Do we need more affirmative action? Is that, is that the plan? Because the, the answer is the Democrats do believe that, by the way, as well as reparations and other things that are highly unpopular when they're actually put to the general American population. So... What are we supposed to do? If we're going to talk about law enforcement, maybe we should be able to have honest discussions about where law enforcement is failing and where the problem lies elsewhere with community dysfunction, with the lack of intact families, with a lack of focus on education, with substance abuse. You can find this all across the country and you can tie these things to criminality across all groups, across all, you know, whether whatever ethnicity we're talking about, there are people who find themselves in desperate circumstances, who are in high crime neighborhoods, we should look at why is this happening and how do we fix it instead of just passing the blame to police. And I'm just going to say this. The, uh, the, the, the idea that the, intel- the intelligence community is, is ruined. And I used to work at the CIA. The CIA has become a joke. When I went to the CIA, we had an enemy, Al-Qaeda and the jihadists, and we had a unified intelligence community in dealing with them, at least. I will say that. Now, these places, I mean, it's basically like a federal jobs program for middling bureaucrats and the woke. The amount of, you know, LGBTQ plus indoctrination and transgender ideology courses and all the stuff that my friends who are still in the intelligence community have to deal with is mind blowing. I want them figuring out how to find spies and kill terrorists. And they're sitting through classes on pronoun usage. I kid you not. 
So this whole invocation of the intelligence community, our intelligence community is a broken joke. And I know of what I speak. And I'm sorry for the good patriots who still work in it, but they know this is the truth as well. Could the stock market be on the verge of historic gains? Well, yes, according to Carnivore Trading, they've spotted several key indicators. But the biggest profits will come in sectors that even a lot of Wall Street experts are going to miss. Look, Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors. And when you subscribe to Carnivore, you'll receive real-time text alerts of explosive trades that they're making for their elite clients. And you can mirror their trades with your discount broker or pass. But why would you pass when their trades routinely crush the S&P 500? They guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. 5x your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades that they're going to be telling you about. The market could be on the verge of a massive upswing. Get off the sidelines and mirror carnivore trades today. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. All you have to do is visit this website, getourtrades.com, and use promo code BUCK. That's getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Let's check in with our friend Pedro Gonzalez, who's a senior writer at American Greatness. Pedro, always good to have you. Hey, Buck, good to be here. So I don't know if you saw this, um, but the the wokeness, stupidity, the virtue signaling insanity in the last, well, forever, but certainly the last couple of days has gotten so out of control that even some liberals, even some leftists, uh, I can I can tell are feeling like this won't be that easy to defend. Before we, we get into some more substantive things, uh, did you see that Jeopardy contestants want a guy to apologize because he held up three fingers because he had won three times? This is where no. we are now. What is the esoteric meaning of three fingers? I, I don't know. I haven't been following this. White supremacy. They said <laughs> like, it was a white supremacist uh, symbol. That, that's right. what we're told. Right. That's incredible. I mean, it's not incredible, <laughs> but it's incredible. It's uh, they're very creative, very uh, they have very active imaginations. Yeah, uh, I mean, no, I, I try not to follow this stuff. He it, it, he held up. I mean, you see the New York Post. He he actually held up to his chest three fingers because he had won three times. This guy, I mean, you look at him. He looks like a you know a guy who would have been working at like uh, you know the. The, the genius bar or something uh, from like the late 90s, early 2000s. And he's a white supremacist now because he held up three fingers. That's what they're saying. Right. I mean, that is incredible. I need to have a look at what the uh, blue check marks are saying on Twitter, because I would like to read the theory about this because uh, it's uh, it's kind of like a, a, like popcorn, right? Like reading about these like esoteric theories of what constitutes crypto white supremacy. And you're right. Uh, this poor guy was just having a great day, won three times in a row, and now he is a white supremacist. Maybe the FBI is going to look into it. Uh, they're going to like, the, or maybe the post office is going to check his social media posts to see if there's anything going on here. There, there's a bigger, you know, there's a bigger uh, problem here, though, other than just the how the le we know the left is insane. I mean, these people are completely nuts, and yeah. I, I'm really, I really believe that being a left-wing democrat today it, it, it indicates a degree of emotional and psychological instability and I, I know that that sounds like i'm trying to get a rise out of people but i really think it's true um you know the same way that that i would have i would have argued that being a, a bolshevik in you know the 1920s 
to be a real, you know, died in the wool, real hardcore Bolshevik would have meant that you probably were nuts. Um, but here's here's the problem. They do these things. The left does this stuff, Pedro. And I know you've written about some of the concerns of conservatism this week and what does it actually conserve. They do this and we either ignore it or outrage for a day, but they keep doing it. And eventually they crack our hull. Eventually what was crazy a year or two ago or even five years ago or whatever is being taught in schools. That's where we are as a society. Right. No, that's exactly right. Uh, there's this great study published recently by a guy named Richard Hanania in, in, in his Substack, And it, the question he asks and tries to answer is, uh, why is everything liberal? And basically, in a country that's evenly divided between people who are conservative and liberal, we'll say roughly divided, it seems like everything is liberal. Everything as in the institutions like academia, the federal government, the courts. Why is, you know, why, why isn't it kind of split roughly down the middle, conservative and liberal? Well, uh, he looks at a lot of data, and basically the conclusion that he comes to is liberals care more. And we make fun of this for, because we make fun of this uh, because, like you said, uh, we, we kind of associated with a kind of mental illness uh in a very loose sense of the term these people are kind of unstable and uh politics it's like a surrogate for all these different things that they don't have in their lives which i mean maybe that makes us feel good about ourselves uh but they're eating our lunch because they care so much because they're willing to um to, to get out on the streets and march and sure they have protection from like the local bureaucracies and local da's and stuff like that but but still, they care more. Like they're willing to risk more. They're willing to be more engaged. They're willing to uh, be militant about all these nutty things that they have in mind, and they win. Over time, uh, they win. And every whatever you look at, like they take, they capture institutions simply because they care more. And I think that that is something that uh, I think this this kind of seems like a flaw that's built into conservatism, that we think that because we don't care as much somehow we're we're like that put like well you know we lost but we lost with grace and grit and so we're better than them although they're the ones that are now educating our children they're the ones that are now uh instituting new codes of morality and speech and things like that at least we have our our uh our dignity our right? principles our right. principles yeah, well not, our, not for our, long actually. Our, yeah our children our children are being taught uh, transgender ideology at the age of seven or eight now, but we, we have our principles on the right. Pedro's piece in American Greatness is conserving conservatism is conserving defeat. To be conservative in America today is to preserve an order that has lost its legitimacy, and the right thing is not to conserve but destroy it and institute something else. Well, let's let's get into what does the something else look like? I'm not sure, uh, and I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot uh, because I think that that that's actually the question that everyone asks. Okay, Pedro, you want to go full Lenin and you know burn this thing down and build something better? So let's start from first principles. And actually, I've I've kind of come to the conclusion that I think I think uh, action you, that you can derive principles from action. So what do I mean by that? Well, without thinking about first principles like these abstract concepts like equality or uh, liberty or freedom, whatever. Here's what I want. A world in which I don't have to worry about my children uh, being brainwashed into mutilating themselves, into cast like I, I have a son. He's 10 months old. Uh, I have black hair. I'm 
100, 100% uh, Hispanic. My wife is German. Both of us have immigrant backgrounds. And our son uh, has blonde hair. It's going to settle into, I think, like a nice brown. And he has gray eyes that look like they're going to stay that color and light skin. In other words, my son looks white. And I am actually terrified that he's going to grow up in a world that's going to tell him that he's evil. And that, that, that if he, you know, if he wants absolution, he should castrate himself spiritually or literally because he's a white male or he looks like a white male. And like, I, this, th- th- I don't think this is actually a cop out. I really think that this, this is, uh, I think this is settling for good enough that the world that I want to build is one where that, that thought, it just doesn't occur to anyone. And in fact, it's intolerable. Like the people that would want to do that to him, they, they just don't get to be in society. They don't get it, it. In other words, I'm for canceling the existing regime and all the people that hold it up and putting them kind of in the position where we are, where they're kind of on the outside. We're, and, speak, we're speaking to Pedro Gonzalez. He's got a piece you should all check out at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Conserving conservatism is conserving defeat. Uh, Pedro, I don't I didn't want to interrupt your flow there. I know you, you've got more, I, I think. Okay. But you're, you're illustrating what I think a lot of us on the right have felt for a while, and especially those of us who are willing to speak the truth about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Trump administration. What got done, what didn't. You know, it was a lot of he fights, he fights. Okay, he fights the media, but look where we are now policy-wise, and look what the movement has left, a, a unified Democrat government with, you know, quasi-senile Joe Biden as the puppet of the radical left. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, sometimes people don't. I, mean, that's, I heard that, too. If you, you know, uh, we need this man because he fights. And this is a reference to Ulysses S. Grant, I think, um, which is like half true. Like you say, if we we fight the wrong things, like we fight the media, we, we fight like fake news. Like basically, it's like when we say fight, we're really just kind of talking about like, will we express our outrage? That's not fighting. Uh, that's that's again that's like a controlled loss and and i'll give one example of what i think conservatives and when i say conservatives i'm talking about the, the kind of the intellectual conservatives the one that give people ideas or tell them how they should think and you can find these people at like national review and there was an article in national review that makes the 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 argument that trans rights are actually a conservative issue and so I, I criticize this in my piece saying like, look, uh, I don't think anyone should be physically abused because they're, you know, because whatever their sexual uh, identity or their, their gender identity, because I, I also associate transgenderism with, with actually actual mental illness, which was until recently accepted it was gender dysphoria. Right. So I don't think that you should be mean to these people. I think, in fact, you should you should be compassionate towards them and, and uh, help them get the, the kind of psychiatric care they need because suicide rates are really high among these people. Right. So we should be compassionate towards them. Well, no, the conservative position at National Review is that uh, we should we should fight for trans rights. Like what? And that and that is uh, in, in the view of the authors there, the way that we uh, responsibly shepherd uh, the country into a new order. Like, I'm sorry, but an order in which it's normal for like minors to uh, chemically or physically castrate themselves. That's not an order that's worth preserving. Like, if that's what conservatism is standing for, responsible, uh, whatever you want to call this, like, we'll, we'll, it'll just be fiscally responsible, right? Uh, limited government. We'll do, we'll do all this crazy stuff, but we'll do it with fiscal responsibility. That's not worth preserving. 
And the the and, bending of the knee, Pedro, to corporations, the the almost maniacal fixation on tax cuts. Uh, the, the these are things that w- when we see what how they play out, and we've had a pretty good view of it in just the last four or five years. The, the GOP will expend enormous energy in order to get tax cuts, including for corporations. Now those corporations turn around just to give a sense of, of, of why this is such a problem and are really the the shock troops and in many ways more powerful in shaping public opinion and public discourse. I mean, I, I think it's obvious now, given what the social media companies are doing. I mean, I'm, I'm getting violations and restrictions and all kinds of things every day for what I do on social media. I, all I do is disagree with policy positions. I'm not. I'm not actually breaking any laws or rule or or rules of you know normal discourse. But we. It, it feels like the GOP needs a wake up call here. I mean, you describe it in your piece as surrender across the board. Yeah, yeah, and of course they'll say it's not. It's not surrender. Uh, it's kind of. But I mean, it, it is. It is surrender. They're just. They're just. Again, they're losing with with grace and grit. Uh, it, like I think that the transgender sports issue. Um, here's a different way to think about it. Oftentimes, what Republicans are saying is, actually, there's nothing wrong with transgenderism. Um, we just want uh, sports to be free of unfair biological competition. So it's like, no, no, we want the bread and circuses. We just want to keep it free and fair. And there's nothing wrong with this other issue of like the biological sexes being eradicated. Uh, it, it's, it's see, I, I hope you see what I'm saying is that we fight the wrong battles here. And oftentimes we begin fighting by accepting uh, a premise established by the left, like transgender rights are humanitarian rights and they're here to stay. And conservatives will start there. OK, you're, you're right. Uh, but please keep uh, men out of women's soccer or something like that. Like that. That's how conservatives will tell you, no, 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 we're fighting. We're actually fighting. But no, you're not. You already actually lost. And now you're just kind of occupying this moderate position of shadowing Democrats along the arc of history toward progress. And you're just always one step behind them. I want to come back here in a second with Pedro Gonzalez. He's a writer at American Greatness. His piece, which we're discussing right now, Conserving Conservatism is Conserving Defeat. We'll be back with Pedro in one second. All right, we're back with our friend Pedro Gonzalez, senior writer at American Greatness, and his piece, Conserving Conservatism is Conserving Defeat. Pedro, I want to just uh, tell the audience of one of one of the lines or one of the parts of of your piece here. Uh, Transgenderism is only the latest failure of conservatism and the GOP, which has surrendered uh, surrendered on everything, including immigration, criminal justice and reparations, even as it continues to welcome the influence of progressive corporations to their states, influence that in time will reduce red states to a shade of purple and then blue. Further, conservative complaints that a new order can't be legislated or that anyone to their right isn't against them so much as the times betray a poverty of vision. Um, So here's my thing. This is very apparent that the right just doesn't really want to wield power. It it always feels like when when the conservatives or, or people who are ostensibly on the right, Republicans are in charge. It's well, well, let's not you know, let's not go. Let's not go too far with what we actually want to do here and said we were going to do before we had power. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the example that I use is today, there was a recent study that showed that one in six adults born between 1997 and 2002 identify as something other than heterosexual. And the point I make is that that's not organic. People that, that cohort did not just suddenly decide that one in six of them were like uh, non-binary 
or like, you know, like they didn't develop these weird gender identities uh, just out of thin air. This is the result of the tenacity and the sheer force of will of the left to uh, impose this view on people through media, through academia, through legislation. Like they made, they willed this to happen. In other words, the left has done and they has they have done the thing and they continue to do the thing that conservatives say is you can't do they either you can't do or it's like wrong to do and and the left is doing it all the time like if you if you think that this happened organically uh I'm, you're nuts it, it didn't like this this is the product of left-wing tenacity well i mean one example of this I, I would note for everyone is is that when there was a a, a completely standard in terms of its publication process and peer review peer review people say it sounds like it's fancier than it is it usually just means a bunch of left-wing automatons and academia are rubber stamping whatever you know it's not like peer review is a guarantee of anything but it went through the normal process it was at brown university which is the most left-wing lunatic uh, institution really in the country in some ways i mean one of them and it was about the enormous uh, obvious uh, data that shows that transgenderism is contagious, in a sense, ideologically speaking, among children. That when one child comes out and is transgender, there's a you know one thousand percent spike in the chances of there being other children who are transgender. They pulled. You can't even find that article anymore. They've pulled it off right. the internet. Right. Yeah, and this is case in point. Uh, the the left does everything that the, that conservatives say uh, you can't do. Uh, either because it's impossible or because it's it's somehow like unethical. Uh, my view is like, well, uh, you're you're losing. So w- what right do you actually have to say that? I mean, that's that's basically how I talk to conservatives who will say, hold on, like you're being a little bit too like Leninistic or something. It's my position is like, I'm sorry, what have you conserved? W- what have you actually uh, preserved in this country? Like you've lost on everything on immigration. Who did the 1986 uh, Immigration Reform and Control Act, the one that resulted in the massive amnesty and actually incentivized immigration because of how catastrophically failed? Ronald Reagan. That was the Reagan, right, yep. that was the Reagan administration. I've told everybody about this. Reagan got totally swindled on immigration. Keep going. Right. And on criminal justice reform, uh, which administration fundamentally changed our federal uh, criminal immigration system, criminal immigration system, our federal prison system? To allow like the worst kinds of felons to get out of prison early, it was the Trump administration. And, and uh, right now, I don't know if you watched the uh, Biden's congressional address and Tim Scott's rebuttal to it, but noticeably, in Tim Scott's rebuttal, there was exactly one short passing sentence about immigration, and it was totally insubstantial. And I don't think that's a coincidence because right now you've got Republicans like Cornyn who are in talks w- with Democrats about securing an amnesty deal. And you've got George W. Bush calling for the party to do the same. Like Republicans lose on everything. And the conservative movement defends their loss as somehow like, you know, the principal position. Pedro, so, like, we, we got to have you. We got to have you back to talk about what the what the fight back looks like. Yeah. So let's let's plan for that sometime okay. in the days ahead. Pedro Gonzalez, everybody at American Greatness. Go to amgreatness.com. Read his piece. Conserving conservatism is conserving defeat. Pedro, talk to you again soon, man. Thank you. Thank you, Buck.